does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Final hour has arrived on a Friday night of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. We'll learn a little bit more about Trace Jackson Davis's new home out in Golden State. Dive further with the local angle of what the Pacers were able to accomplish last night in the draft and what free agency may hold around the corner. And of course, learn all of those scores in the MLB tonight with Network Indiana's own Nathaniel Finch. With the eighth pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Washington Wizards select Jarris Walker from the University of Houston. Adam Silver in Brooklyn last night. I'm Nathaniel Finch with Network Indiana Sports and your scoreboard update. It is 11:01. The Pacers trading back one pick, and they take Jarris Walker, a big defensive presence and a potential to develop into an offensive force, according to Coach Rick Carlisle, the AAC Freshman of the Year with Houston a year ago. A lot of potential for what he can bring as the Pacers take him sixth overall. Their other first-round pick right here. With the 26th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Ben Shepard from Belmont University. Walker at 8th overall, Ben Shepard at 26th overall, and their other two picks, Mojave King in the second round at 47th, Isaiah Wong, you might know of him, the ACC Player of the Year out of Miami, took him at pick 55, and as Jimmy King had alluded to, a couple interests from this state, how about Jalen Huchifino at 17th overall going to the Lakers, he gets to play with LeBron, then at 57 overall, took him a while, but TJD to Golden State. They'll talk about that here in the next segment. As far as some baseball scores go, the Reds are red hot. Winners of 12 straight, 11-10. to 10. That final score, a big game and a big win against the NL leading Atlanta Braves for tomorrow. These two teams will take on each other at 4-10 Eastern Time. Grant Ashcraft on the mound for the Reds. Then we look at the final score up in Chicago. It's the Boston Red Sox. Three runs to one over the Chicago White Sox. Not quite the Result that Chicago is hoping for, but they'll have Lance Lynn on the mound at that game tomorrow at 4-10 against Boston again. And then in Detroit, 4-1, the final score, the Twins take down the Tigers. A big win for them tomorrow. Those two teams will play on Fox, 7-15 Eastern time. Reese Olsen on the bump for the Tigers. Then the, finally in the MLB in this area, the Milwaukee Brewers defeat the Cleveland Guardians 7-1. These teams will play tomorrow, 4-10 Eastern time as well. Tanner Bibby on the bump for the Cleveland Guardians. As far as some minor league scores, how about the Indians? 18 runs scored. They defeat the Columbus Clippers at Victory Field. Plenty of fireworks, 18-5. That final score, a six spot in the second inning. Three runs scored in the third. Twice they scored four runs. That's in the fifth and the eighth. Plenty of offense for the Tribe. And then the Fort Wayne Tin Caps traveled to South Bend. They took down the Cubs. Six to four was that final score. Both those two teams will play tomorrow night, 7.05 Eastern time. Indiana takes the 3-2 to lead, the Indians over 
Columbus, and then for Fort Wayne, they take a 3-1 lead in the series over South Bend. And, Jimmy, I've got to tell you this. The Yankees lose 4-2 to the Texas Rangers. They now have the MLB worst in runs per game since your guy Aaron Judge got hurt a few weeks ago. Things not looking too good for the Yankees. When we hear from me next, I'll give you plenty of scores and plenty more to go. You know what? I might even throw in some golf. Graham and I, a couple big golf guys in here in Indiana Sports Talk. But in the meantime... Just remember, Ellie De La Cruz, the first Reds player to hit for the cycle in 34 years. That was since Eric Davis did so in 1989, the youngest MLB player to do so in 51 years. That's in the entire league. Ellie De La Cruz in his 15th game. He is insane. And for the Reds, 12th straight win, the most since 1957. I'm Nathaniel Finch with Network Indiana Sports. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Look, we don't have enough time in the rest of the show for me to properly call this out. I don't want to waste too much of Kevin Dana's time. But, Nathaniel, I I had high hopes for you. I did not realize that you were by way of our mutual friend, Eddie Garrison. I did not need the gruesome reminder of how poorly the Yankees played today. And I most certainly did not need a extra twist of the knife of how bad the run differential has been since Aaron Judge has been on the IL. But you're doing a great job throughout the night, as per usual. Rant over once again. Let's head out west with one of my favorites, Kevin Dana of the Santa Cruz Warriors G League affiliate for the Golden State Warriors and gets a lot of run as well covering the Warriors for Warriors.com and their different press features. A little press conference action for you today there, Big Dog? Yes, sir, Jimmy. Uh, Great to see your boy TGD in in person, live in the flesh. Uh, Happy to be able to see him and Brandon Pajemski today. Yeah, it it was a good time at Chase Center. What is the vibe of a perennial contender in the Golden State Warriors and looking at the the developmental track that a player like Trace Jackson Davis will rely on, given his at least present college footage shows lack of shot from beyond the arc yeah i mean that that's obviously a a question that people have about trace jackson davis he's not known obviously for his three-point shot but look the warriors have played with a big who does not really step out and shoot and have had success a with kevon looney right and he's a much different player than kevon looney let let me let me say that right now obviously. But there is a a blueprint for success with Golden State with a non-shooting big. And and when I watch Trace Jackson Davis, when I see his highlights, and I remember him uh, against Stanford, killing my Stanford Cardinal two seasons ago, uh, 2021, uh, in a a game of the Maui Invite in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, He has touch. He has touch to the point where I believe that there could be a mid-range jumper in there somewhere. There could be, uh, you know, if you work on it years down the line, a potential perimeter jump shot. So there is a formula there for him. And, look, he has a roster spot. Mike Dunleavy Jr., GM of Golden State, yesterday said he will be on the 15-man roster. So he will have time to hone his craft at the NBA level. 
hey, you don't have to sell them to me, my friend. I'm an IU alum. I'm going to go to bat for Trace Jackson Davis whenever I can. And I look at his passing ability alone and think about what he could do if he's able to be even half or a fourth of the player that Kevon Looney is with the way the Warriors like to space the floor and TJD's ability to get up and down the floor as well with that passing ability, I think could benefit very nicely in this new iteration or next evolution of what the Golden State Warriors want to be. Look, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, that's one of his things. You read his scouting report, obviously you guys know him a lot better than I, is that he is a killer in transition. I was just watching his Penn State NCAA tournament highlights that game. Like, you know, no look pass in transition for a layup early in the first half. Like, and, and it fits so well with Golden State does. And, yes, they, they are a team that is getting older per se, but, you know, they, they still thrive in getting out on the break. And, you know, they have great transition players. Draymond Green is great at pushing the ball in transition. And they have good passing bigs in Draymond Green and Kevon Moody. And in that sense, CJD fits right in. For him to be able to emulate what the Warriors want him to do without forcing it a little less than a minute here. How does he have to properly accept the right role knowing that it might not come overnight? It's going to take time. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question, Jimmy, right? Like I imagine there will be some Santa Cruz time in there. Look, you're the number 57 pick. Most second round picks spend a good bit of time in the G League. So there will be some G League seasoning in there, I think. And, and then just learning from the best. They still got a lot of guys on that team that have won multiple NBA titles. Uh, and, and so there are a lot of good guys for him to learn from. Uh, Steve Kerr's a, a heck of a coach. Uh, and, and there is a, a good kind of nucleus around him for him to be able to kind of learn and practice get some game reps in the G League, and and yeah, he'll get some time in the NBA next year as well. I looked at the clock wrong, so now we have less than a minute. Draymond Green, what happens with him in your mind? There's rumors the Kings are going to make a big offer. He's going to be highly coveted as a free agent. Where is the line for the Warriors in trying to bring him back? Look, obviously there were some other non-draft news with Golden State yesterday. As an employee, I I, I can't discuss it. But I I would say any potential moves, if you heard Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s press conference on Monday, his introductory press conference as GM, they want to bring him back. The Warriors definitely want him. Steve Kerr said after the season, there is no dynasty without Draymond Green. There is no chase for a fifth NBA championship without Draymond Green. They fully want to have Draymond Green back and as someone who has been a part of the organization at the G League level for 11 years, I certainly want to see him back in the Golden State Warriors. Kevin, I appreciate you. Thank you for making the time. Enjoy Summer League, my friend. That's Kevin Dana. We'll be back after this on Indiana Sports Talk. Nathaniel Finch with you on a Friday night from downtown Indianapolis with this scoreboard update. It is 11-15. We've got plenty of action in the MLB for you. No Cubs and no Cardinals. It's because they're both gearing up for a game in London. That will take place tomorrow. But as far as the games who took place today, how about the Cincinnati Redlegs 11, the Atlanta Braves 10, a electric game that included Ellie De La Cruz hitting for the cycle, Joey Votto hitting two home runs. He was two for four with four RBIs. Plenty of highlights throughout the game. Jake Fraley had a home run as far as... 
things for the Braves. Ronald Acuna home run, Austin Riley home run, Matt Olson had a pair of dingers, and Travis Darno with a first-inning three-run bomb. It was an insane game. Nine total home runs. The win goes to Alex Young. The save goes to Alexis Diaz. Looking at some other scores, the Red Sox took down the White Sox 3-1 to in Chicago. The Twins Take down the Tigers 4-1 to in Detroit. The Brewers took on the Guardians, that one in Cleveland. Final score, 7-1 to in favor of the Milwaukee Brewers. In AAA ball, the Indianapolis Indians, 18 runs scored. They defeat the Clippers 18-5 to at Victory Field. The Tin Caps, 6. The South Bend Cubs, 4. And as promised in the Travelers' Championship, tied for first, Denny McCarthy and Keegan Bradley, 15-under. Some golf scores for you. From Network Indiana Sports, I'm Nathaniel Finch. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. 24 hours plus removed from the 2023 NBA Draft. The Indiana Pacers hoping it is their last time, at least with this current era of Indiana Pacers basketball, participating in the NBA Draft Lottery. We continue our full reactions to that with one of our favorites. He covers the Pacers for Sports Illustrated and is the host of the Locked on Pacers podcast. He is Tony East. Tony, how you doing on Friday? Uh, um, I'm pretty tired, but I'm doing well. <laughs> I get energized by these events, so when they kind of wind down, it, it it all hits me kind of at once. But we got to hear from the Pacers draft picks. The draft was fun. Uh, I'm doing well. It was a fun day. For those that don't know, and I know that no one can really appreciate it unless they're in the trenches like you are, the jokes that you get, or not even jokes, serious comments from people around this time of year. Hey, are you enjoying your time off? But there's really no time <laughs> off for you, correct? <laughs> yeah, in August, those comments hit a little bit. But, yeah, people always ask, oh, you know, what do you what do you do in May and June? I'm like, it's just as busy in May and June as it is during the season sometimes, especially on a night like last night. Let's look at how they went about getting Jairus Walker. Crafty, utilizing potential not inside information, but utilizing the interest that they clearly had from, I would think, a handful of teams to move up with them, at least to the point that Washington believed that and ultimately were willing to give them a couple future second rounders in 2028 to swap with them with seven and eight. The process that went into that trade, your reaction to that, and then ultimately the selection of Jairus Walker. Yeah, smart business, obviously, if, if you're going to get your guy at seven to get him at eight. Uh, and it, it, I, I 100% agree with you that the only way this even makes sense to have happened is there were at least two teams that wanted Coley Bali and would have picked him potentially at eight where the Wizards were. And so the Wizards felt like they had to move up to make sure they got their guy. And the Pacers said, all right, we're not picking him. Great. And so they get to scoop up two extra second rounders to do so. Uh, They'll get a Suns second and a Wizards second rounder way off in the future. We're talking about like 13-year-old kids (laughs) who are involved in this trade. But, you know, it's funny, Jimmy, to look at this because after the season, there was that random drawing to determine who would have the higher pick between the Wizards and Pacers. And the Pacers won it. Like, had that gone the other way, the Pacers don't get the second rounder. So a little luck involved here, but uh, Pacers do get stuff, and they get their guy. They get Jairus Walker at eight. A lot of people predicted that would be the case, including myself. He just is such a great fit for what this team needs. Like, Chad Buchanan, their GM, was talking about it today. He looks like a linebacker, right? And, And he pairs that with basketball skill. He's a wonderful team defender. He reads the game very well. He has some creation and passing upside on offense. Like, he played point guard in high school, basically. Like, he's just really, really well-rounded and kind of exactly what this Pacers team needs at the four spot. They've needed that defensive enforcer. 
for a while. So it was a great natural fit uh, and a perfect pick for the Pacers. And to be able to scoop some stuff up along the way, it was a really, a really smooth transaction for them. Is there a scenario where Jairus Walker's still on the board and Taylor Hendricks could have wowed them more? Because when we were going back and forth in the lead-up to it, it felt like the Pacers never said this and they're never going to directly say it, because why would they? There's no need to address what's already happened in the past. But it felt like it was potentially a two-horse rumor mill race for if they would take the freshman from UCF and Hendricks or ultimately do what they did, which is taking the freshman out of Houston and Walker. Yeah, those seemed like the two best fits, right? That was... But everybody debated every time I was talking about it with somebody, I we would land on those two guys and talk about them. Like there were some interesting names like Asar Thompson, if he fell to seven with the Pacers just pick him and, and go for the upside. But you know, Anthony Black went sixth. I don't think the Pacers would have picked another guard. And the other guy that was talked about a lot, Cam Whitmore, went twentieth. Like he <laughs> fell so far and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. But that was I mean, that was one of the crazier stories of the whole draft. So the way it shook out and the way it, it appears that teams actually viewed the players in the Pacers range, it probably was between Walker and Hendricks. And so the way I view it, and it sounds like the way the Pacers are talking about it, they view Walker this way as well, is Walker has some shot creation upside on offense with his passing and decision-making. And Hendricks may may have that, I suppose, one day, but it seems like he'll just be more of the shooter type, which is fine. There's a reason he went in the top 10, but I think Walker can fit what the Pacers do better, and especially on the team with Tyrese Albert, he'll be just such a natural fit. Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan was with our sister station, 93.5107.5, the fan on Kevin and Query earlier today, and he answered a number of different questions, including very honest about their desire to potentially trade up to go get Cam Whitmore. Are you surprised that the asking price was likely too high to try to move up into that 15 to 20 range and leapfrog somebody because it was a crazy free fall for a player that at one point in time, depending on where you look for mocks, I know mocks are just speculation, but those are also tied to rumors and reports at one point as high as the fourth or fifth pick in this draft. Yeah. And you know, there's all these sites that track which mock drafts are the best and ESPN's mock ended up being the best. And they were the people who at one point said Whitmore could go for, right? Like, they obviously know what they're talking about based on the results. And the fact that he fell all the way to 20 is just crazy. And there's been a couple of things, like, reported about what it could be because of. I honestly don't know what the reasoning truly is. But there's a point with, like, he got a solo workout with the Pacers. He was viewed as a guy good enough to work out individually with teams, feel like he could go that high, all sorts of stuff. Like, he is clearly talented. It has upside, but at the same time, I think that the way that shook out is kind of a reflection of this draft, right? A lot of people have talked about for a long time how this is a really solid draft, like Grady Dick going 13. He'd probably go higher than that in a standard draft, right? Like, he's a pretty dang good player. Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker are great players. They went eighth and ninth, right? Like, it's a good draft, and so I think a lot of teams were just really enamored with their guy in the middle of the first round, and that means those picks have more value than in the standard draft, right? Even the third pick was probably like a one-and-a-half pick in a standard year, mm-hmm. so I think that made it a little harder just from a value perspective to trade up. Like, the Pacers had an extra first next year that they just got they could use. They had those seconds they could use, but if the cost is too high, it's not worth it to do so. I think they determined that. I think Chad said that himself, so it makes a ton of sense why they would go for it. They liked him enough to bring him in and interview him, but if the cost is too high, the cost is too high, and I, I couldn't believe how far he fell, Jimmy. I know you say that, but it's just it's it's fascinating. That was the biggest storyline of the night to me, besides one Banyama, obviously. As you saw the rest of the draft picks unfold 
I know it's tough for the casual viewer of trying to keep their head straight with, oh, there's a trade here, a trade here. Oh, this trade actually <laughs> happened an hour and a half ago. It's official now. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk to Dan Purcell on our sister station and are going to have a conversation with him uh, as well this evening. And in regards to why that happens, it's a legal thing with the calendar year of fiscal operations, and that's why they're not able to do it as streamlined as the NFL does. But when you look back with what you know, which is where the picks made, and you follow this as closely as anybody, any remorse for the moves they made with the Nuggets and the Lakers in terms of the pieces that wound up going on the board as you take in everything that happened in the second round? No, I wouldn't think so at all. I think they truly got pretty good value for all their picks if you just zoom out and they took advantage of the situations of the teams they were trading with where the Nuggets are you know, about to potentially be in the tax again and be expensive. It would be really hard for them to get Young talent next year to fill out their team. Perfect team for the Pacers to trade with. And the first-round pick they got from Denver next year, I mean, there's a chance that thing's pretty good if the Clippers have a down year, the Thunder, you know, don't take a huge step forward. Like, that pick could be in in the top 20, which is a great pick to get uh, in a trade involving 29 and 32. And the cash they got in the trade with the Lakers, like, I don't know how how fans feel about cash. It's such a taboo thing, honestly. But, you know, it it, it was so much that they probably could have moved up in the second round if they needed to or wanted to or felt like they had value to do so. Like, that was a significant deal for the Lakers to do. So, I think they got good value. I just don't know if they necessarily saw – the perfect chance to move up outside of what we already talked about with, you know, going forward a little bit with Whitmore. I don't know who they loved or didn't love, but you know, it was a, it was a funky year because uh, you you talked about the league calendar as the draft's unfolding, there's a new CBA that governs the league that starts at nine days. So a lot of teams probably felt like they had to take advantage of certain things under this CBA and picks have become a little more valuable. That's why the, you know, the Pacers and Lakers made the trade that they did. So uh, it was certainly interesting to see how it all unfolded, but, uh, I don't think that there was any perfect opportunity for the Pacers to make a move like that. ESPN just needs to get their stuff in order because some of the push notifications I was getting last night, I had to double check and triple check and reread some things. There's no way they weren't confusing Pacers fans a little bit. I was like, Jalen Pickett to the Pacers, that, that doesn't make any sense. And then it's you have to scroll three ways and figure out, oh, he was actually, uh, he was traded and moving to Denver. So there there you go. You got to keep your head on straight. Julian Strother, not actually a Pacer. <laughs> just got to gotta keep your head on a swivel. Uh, this, Tony East with us. Here on Indiana Sports Talk, you got time to swing back around. I want to cover the rest of the draft, where the roster is right now, and then look at free agency and what could be on the horizon for them. You got it. That's Tony East. I'm Jimmy Cook. We'll be back with more of this conversation when we return on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Nathaniel Finch with Network Indiana Sports. It is 1130. I've got a scoreboard update for you. Let's start in Chicago. The Boston Red Sox winners 3-1 to over the Chicago White Sox. Teams had it tied up at 1 after 3. And Boston scored their two go-ahead runs in the fourth inning, and that was all she wrote. No scoring the rest of the way out to get us to that three-to-one final. Then in Detroit, Minnesota wins four-to-one over the Tigers. They had a three-spot in the away half of the second inning. Each team scored a run in the sixth. That got us to the four-to-one final. Finally, in Cleveland, Milwaukee seven. The Guardians, just one run. It was a five spot in the sixth for the Brewers to give them the lead they needed to hang on after their first inning run. However, 
The game of the day, the game of the week, the game of the month, Cincinnati 11, Atlanta 10. Atlanta started with five straight runs in the first inning. Looked like they were going to run away with it at Great American Ballpark. And then Cincinnati slowly but surely two runs in the second, a pair of runs in the third, a run in the fourth to tie it up at five. We got to the fifth inning, six total runs, two from Atlanta, two, rather four for Cincinnati, and the score in favor of the Reds at that point, they just kept scoring. They kept winning. Here's how the game finished off their 12th straight one. Ground ball. McLean, second. 12 in a row. The oldest team in professional baseball has its fifth ever winning streak of a dozen straight. They best the Braves in a thriller. I'm Nathaniel Finch. That's Bally Sports. Back here with Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here with us on IST. We bring back into focus our conversation with Tony East of Sports Illustrated and the host of Locked on Pacers, covers the Pacers for SI.com. Tony, we mentioned already Jarris Walker and what he's going to be able to bring to the table for the Pacers. When you look at the rest of the draft, Ben Shepard in particular, Mojave King, Isaiah Wong, where were your overall reactions to the way the Pacers rounded out their selections the other night? Yeah, I was a big fan of Shepard since I saw him at the Combine. He was probably the best player uh, in the in the, one of the scrimmages I watched and stood out in all of them, quite frankly. And I talked to him about that a little bit today. Like, he could feel how that kind of ignited his pre-draft process. And I did a little bit of a show on him being a potential sleeper in, in this draft class to watch because he just makes shots. And it's not even just threes, right? Obviously, making threes is important, and that's a big part of his pitch to any team. He made 41.5% of his 200 threes last year with Belmont, but he made a shot inside the arc, too. Like, he finished well in the lane. His floaters are good. His mid-range game's okay. Like, he got a lot better at finishing plays every year, and the fact that he's not just limited to a shooter, like, he can make a couple moves off the dribble. Sure, it's it's the Missouri Valley Conference, or is it Ohio Valley? Whatever. They're, they're saying but um, whatever he was in, he was still one of the supreme players in that conference and really showed a lot of, of good fit, polished finishing plays uh, from anywhere on the court in his game. And I think that's really attractive, especially as a kind of wing-sized player. So that one felt like a good pick to me. I don't know a ton about Mojave King and Isaiah Wong's game outside of Wong beating my Hoosiers in the uh, in the tournament this past season and yeah. played pretty well in that game. But Wong can shoot it. He can really score it. You know, those kind of upside plays you look for late in the draft. And King went through the Ignite program that's turned out a bunch of good pros and uh, has went to the NBA Academy, which, again, has also turned out a bunch of good pros, including Benedict Matherin. I think they were on a team together for a tournament when he was like 16 years old. So excited to dive a little more into that story at some point. Um, but, you know, just upside swings, it's kind of what you search for in the second round to me, if you can, and we'll see what kind of deals they end up on. But in general, uh, especially Shepard, I think all their picks make a lot of sense, and it's kind of all you can ask for is, this makes sense, I can explain it, I get exactly why the Pacers did it. The other local angle that we focused on non-Pacers division was what was going to happen with Jalen hood Shafino and Trace Jackson-Davis. Let's start first with Trace. He ultimately winds up in probably the best spot you could ask for as a rookie prospect headed to Golden State and have an opportunity to learn under Steve Kerr. Plenty of bodies there like Draymond Green. And of course, he'll be playing in a fluid offense where his passing will likely be very welcome with the likes of Steph Curry and Trace Jackson-Davis and his ability to operate in the pick and roll. Assuming he does earn a spot as Mike Dunleavy, their 
GM had hinted, assuming he is able to earn a spot in the rotation and not be a two-way player, what is that fit like for him and where is his ceiling knowing that he's going to be underneath a very player-friendly development group like the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see what kind of contract he gets there. I, I saw what you said, that, or I saw what you mentioned about what Dunleavy said, and that's a really good spot for a late second rounder to end up just because that team, it's so hard for them to spend money in free agency that you know the the cheapness of under of uh, second round picks is really helpful for them in terms of rounding out their team in a way that isn't ridiculously expensive. So, so great spot for him uh, to potentially make a team, and even if he is on a two way, they've got at least a decent development track record with their two way guys. Uh, and yes, of course, playing for a legend in Steve Kerr with a legend in a bunch of guys on their team. And I, I'm going to assume this this could be wrong, but assuming they retain Draymond, a guy that trade team and said y'all kind of consider modeling his game after you mentioned DeMontis Savonis as well, like those good passing bigs who can screen dive and make plays with the ball. Perfect spot for him, right? A spot where he could potentially be on the team, find a way to play a little bit and learn from some of the people who can teach him exactly what he wants to be as a pro. Like I'm sure he would have loved to have gotten picked higher, obviously, as we, right. In fact, I'm not even guessing he tweeted about it during the draft, but um, yeah, ending up in a, in a perfect situation might make it not matter what actual draft slot he ends up in. And I think that's kind of all he can ask for. I think it's a really good fit for him. For his fellow Hoosier in Jalen Hood, Shafino, look, when you look at both of us being Indiana Hoosiers, just putting those cards out there on the table, <laughs> I, I, I want to see fellow alumni do well and when you look at the options of where he could have gone new orleans atlanta utah okay maybe los angeles or miami i mean yeah i would like a fun destination for jalen hood i would have been happy with either of those options for him as he continued to be mocked around and as the draft unfold ultimately he ends up in la the ringer described him as a number of different things including referring to him as a potential doppelganger from his skill set to D'Angelo Russell. Now, that, that, that would be quite a, a hit for Jalen Hochefino to one day reach close yeah. to what Russell is, and I'm sure he'd probably want to be a little bit better. But when you look at all that's up in the air with the Lakers from a guard perspective, they don't know if Russell's going to be back within their free agent opportunities with him. What's the situation unfold for Hochefino, and how excited are you to be able to see him out west? Really good spot for him. Not just we'll get to their team situation, you know, that he actually could have minutes coming his way, but they've got like the Lakers are really underrated for their drafting and development in the last five, six years. Like the guys they get in the early second round or undrafted or whoever they pick, like they do a pretty good job of making it better. You saw Rui Achimura get better this year, Troy Bowne Jr. and Lonnie Walker having career years. Obviously, Austin Reeves has grown a ton since they added him, right? Like they're pretty good at this, at this whole player development thing and they don't get enough credit for it. And that way I think it's a good spot for Hojefino just based on that. Even if he doesn't play that much, a team that will develop him along in the NBA because he's still a younger prospect is of course a fantastic spot, but you know, you already alluded to with the Angelo Russell's free agency. The real reason this could be a good spot for him is the Lakers have like nobody on their team <laughs> next year as it stands right now. Only LeBron, AD, uh, and Max Christie have a guaranteed contract on the Lakers next year. Now they'll keep a lot of their guys from last year, but who knows what's going to happen with Russell and Lonnie Walker and Dennis Schroeder and Troy Brown. Reeves will almost certainly be back, but that's a lot of guards who could potentially not return to the Lakers. Like there could be minutes available for him. So that, like Trace Jackson Davis's spot at the S, maybe it's the IU fan in me thinking, but. 
a really good landing spot for him to both develop and potentially get some playing time as a rookie. I, I think that's a great spot for him to end up. News that came across the wire earlier today. The Pacers, as they continue to fill out their roster for two-way contracts, have agreed to one with Big Blue Nation fans will be happy about this. IU fans might not be. One Oscar <laughs> Sheepway is headed to the Pacers on a two-way deal. Break that one down for us. I know it's pretty fresh, but what that could potentially mean for the Pacers in terms of Oscar Sheepway. Is he a name that we occasionally see on Pacers.com for Fort Wayne Mad Ants highlights, or is he somebody that could potentially uh, contribute somewhere down the line for this Pacers team? You have one high-level skill you're kind of worth exploring, right? And Sheebway may be the best rebounder in, like, the entire draft class. You know, he, you could see that at the draft combine, too. I talked about that with Shepard. Like, Sheebway just gobbled him up, and he did that with Kentucky. And the thing about Kentucky players is this happens all the time. Even if they don't show it a ton in college, it can be a little harder because they're playing with a bunch of guys who are really talented. They all end up having, or at least most of them have, pretty good pro careers or exceed at least expectations given where they're picked or where they're scooped up. So I think that grabbing Kentucky guys is generally a good plan. We've seen Isaiah Jackson bloom a little bit with the Pacers these last couple of years. So even if he is just a rebounder that you can try to develop along, that's a worthy gamble. Uh, you know, I think you'll probably see him more with the Madheads this year, just given what the Pacers roster setup currently is, especially after drafting Walker. Right? There's not a ton of minutes at the four or the five. But, again, a worthy guy to come in and get a look at and say, you know what, if we really need rebounding and we're impressed with this skill development elsewhere, we can stick him on the pro team and be happy. I think that's exactly why you have two-way contracts for moves like that. Less than a minute, Pacers free agency. I know it's too tough to encapsulate in that amount of time, but how aggressive do <laughs> you think they'll be? they got to be. I mean, they have a ton of cap space, and they have to reach – they don't have to, but they are very strongly encouraged by the NBA to reach the salary floor now. I think they're going to have to spend on something. What that is, we'll see, but I think you'll see an aggressive Pacers team come July 1st. Is this the year they're spending big bucks, or are we still one year out? I think they will spend big-ish bucks, but not massive bucks. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about instead a, a Jeopardy round type of puzzle versus a Wheel of Fortune <laughs> prize pack. Is that what we're looking at? <laughs> yeah, maybe the first round of Jeopardy. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Tony, thank you very much for making time for us. I know that this is a very busy time of year for you. That's right, folks. Beat Riders is still working in June and in July. Uh, enjoy some time off. Congratulations on the engagement and appreciate you making time for us. Ah, uh, Jimmy, it's the best. Thank you. It's Tony East. We'll be back with more after this on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. It is 1045 in downtown Indianapolis. I'm Nathaniel Finch with your final Network Indiana scoreboard update. I'll give you all the scores from today. I'll tell you what we can look forward to watching tomorrow. Let's start with the Reds. In Cincinnati, winners 11-10 over the NL leading Atlanta Braves. Then the Red Sox in Chicago defeat the White Sox three runs to one. The Twins over the Tigers 4-1 to one in Detroit. Finally, the Brewers 7-1 to winners over the Cleveland Guardians. Now looking at what we can have on deck tomorrow. In London, the Cubs and the Cardinals 1.10 p.m. Eastern time. That is 6.10 p.m. local time over in the U.K. That game will be on Fox again 1.10 Eastern time. Then the Braves 4.10 is the first pitch. They'll play at Cincinnati against the Reds' Graham Ashcraft against Jared Schuster on the mound for these two teams. The Red Sox in Chicago against the White Sox. That's Boston's James Paxton pitching against, you know him, Lance Lynn from Brownsburg High School. The Brewers, 4-10. 
against the Cleveland Guardians. Freddie Peralta for Milwaukee. Tanner Bibby on the bump for the Guardians. The Twins at Tigers, 7.15 p.m. on Fox. How about this NL Central standings? The Reds now lead by a game and a half over the Brewers. The Cubs, a couple games behind them. Pirates and Cardinals not too far behind. That is a fun NL Central. Finally, if you want to watch a little bit of college baseball action, Game 1 of the World Series, LSU and Florida at 7 o'clock. For Network Indiana Sports, one final time, I'm Nathaniel Finch. Back here with Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the Coach Bob level tonight and tomorrow. We already mentioned one of our regulars, if you will, over this Friday-Saturday affair is one Howard Kelman of the Indianapolis Indians. We talked with Howard a little bit earlier, but we have to cover all of our minor league bases, and we're very appreciative to be able to do that with one of our very own. It's Network Indiana's Brendan King, the voice of the South Bend Cubs. BK, how is South Bend on a Friday night? Jay Cook, you're right. We really do get to cover all of our bases today on Indiana Sports Talk because we are hosting the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the great Midwest League affiliate of the San Diego Padres. And I uh, hope you're doing well, my man. But really fun game tonight. Cubs come out on the losing end, final of 6-4. But, uh, Jimmy, after a couple of non-competitive first few days of this series, today was the first day of the second half of the Midwest League, which means both South Bend and Fort Wayne, non-playoff teams in the first half. So records reset. We're now on the dash to September, and Fort Wayne took game one of the second half, but be it, it was a great ball game back and forth. 6 four was the final. What's your overall takeaways with that aspect of minor league baseball now having one half representative and then a second half representative? And from the clubhouse standpoint, I mean, this is everybody's interested, right? But is there a renewed sense of, wow, we get another crack at this, 0-0 when the second half starts? Yeah, I mean, I love it personally because, Jimmy, both of our championships in each of the last three seasons have come because the South Bend Cubs got in the postseason in the second half. And I don't think we win the championships without that, Jimmy, because rosters change so much in minor league baseball that at times teams simply reload. And, you know, for us right now, we've gotten a couple big pieces. Ed Howard, former first-round pick of the Chicago Cubs, Chicago kid, Mount Carmel product. He's playing shortstop every day for us now. And, uh, you know, James Triantos, former second-round pick of the Cubs, who is now with us too. So we did not have them at the start of the year. And, you know, like I said, in 19, we were the second-half wild-card team. Last year we won the second half in the West Division. Um, So, again, being a second-half team – Two of the last three years winning a championship. Uh, Jimmy, there's a lot that can be said for a team that wins the second half because you take that momentum into the postseason where if you're the first half team, look, you clinched the playoffs literally three months ago and you probably have a brand new roster and they're at a severe disadvantage. So to be honest with you, Jimmy, if I get a choice, I prefer to be a second half playoff team. I mean, it definitely keeps the intrigue alive and adds a new element to the second half of the season. Obviously, it's been going on for a couple of years, but uh, hey, teams were able to capitalize on that. The Cubs have clearly done that, as you mentioned, over the last couple of seasons. About two minutes left here. Brendan King with us, the voice of the South Bend Cubs. You can follow him on Twitter at BKingSports. So, BK705, first pitch tomorrow night as Mm -hmm. the series continues against the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, but... London Bells arrive for us, my friend, as well, up mm. at the major league level tomorrow. How are you balancing that day with the South Bend prep, but also getting to enjoy a little bit of that action across the pond? Well, it's going to be an exciting day, Jim, and I'll tell you why, because first pitch, 1 o'clock across the pond, 
former South Bend Cubs lefty Justin Steele on the mound for us. And, of course, the game being at one, tomorrow night we are on Marquee Sports Network here in South Bend. So we're going to get a little national exposure. So it's going to go from London post-game show to us in South Bend. Uh, Connor Nolan on the mound, former Arkansas Razorback. He was actually a right-handed starting pitcher with Arkansas. He was also the starting quarterback on the football team his freshman year at Arkansas. (laughs) Uh, So great story to tell for sure and looking forward to being on Marquee. Man, enjoy that, BK. What a lead-in from London to South Bend. Can't wait to check it out. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow night, my friend. Have a good call. Thanks, Jimmy. Talk to you tomorrow. That is Brennan King, voice of the South Bend Cubs. Again, you can call and follow him on Twitter, at Sports. We'll put a bow with final thoughts on the Pacers draft. Get yourself get you set rather for tomorrow night's slate as well on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk when we return. One final time on a Friday night for Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Thank you again for spending your Friday evening with us here on IST. Friendly reminder, I'll be back in the big chair tomorrow night. We'll cover more ground on the Pacers. Mix some Colts in there as well. Those contract negotiations or at least rumor negotiations with Jonathan Taylor, what they should do on that avenue. Kevin Bowen will join us. Peter Hood of Wish TV will join us. Derek Schultz will join us. It'll be a great show tomorrow on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I would like to play one of my favorite games, which is looking at the sports calendar for tomorrow and see what the stars of our show in Nathaniel Fitch and Graham Shear have on their docket. Graham, we'll start with you as you look at tomorrow's slate. What interests you the most, good sir? So, I'm a Cubs fan, and so, I mean, they're in London tomorrow. They're taking on the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. That'll be a huge game. I'm really looking forward to seeing that game. Also, the Travelers Championship. I'm a big golf fan and some heat this weekend between Justin Thomas and new U.S. Open champion Wyndham Clark. So, that's been fun, Jimmy. Were you excited to see Wyndham Clark win it last weekend? No, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was outstanding because I mean he's never won it before, so that was uh, that was that was really cool to see. Yeah, it was awesome. Nathaniel, what about you? What are you most looking forward to the rest of the sports weekend? Well, this Reds Brave series, Jimmy, are you kidding me? This is this is going to be incredible. <laughs> watching the fireworks tomorrow, and then on Sunday I'm gonna make the drive down to Cincinnati, show off my Ronald Acuna Jr. jersey. Although I'm starting to think I should trade in for an LA De La Cruz one. This is this is gonna be a fun series to watch. If you do get one, are you going to get one of the city edition, or oh, are you, you going to go with the classic Red Junie? You okay. have to. All right. That's what you. I figured. I'm with you. These are clean jerseys. There, and you know he just he hit the cycle in it, so you have to. Does the streak go to 13? Um, I don't know. I mean, th- these are coin flip games. The Reds <laughs> just gave the Braves everything they could and won by a run. So. I, I'm going to say that they'll probably lose tomorrow, and then I'll watch the Reds win on Sunday in person. Last question for you, because that's a great storyline, the fact that you're going on Sunday. Do you want to have that win streak alive while you're there, or oh, yeah. would you rather it be a fresh start over for you on Sunday? No, I'd, I'd want to go into Sunday with 13 wins. That'd be incredible. Okay. I like that. I hope they're able to carry the day for you. Great work tonight by you, Nathaniel. Looking forward to having you back in the saddle behind the board tomorrow. And Graham, great work guiding us throughout the night. Hats off to both of you gentlemen. want to remind you again that we will be back in action here tomorrow night. We'll go further towards the Colts angle of things while also mixing in 
a nice combination of Pacers post-draft and free agency now on the horizon, what it means for the franchise and how they can continue to improve and build towards this hopefully being their last year in the lottery. That's a hard goal to be able to achieve, but you have to start by getting the foundation laid, and the Pacers believe that they have done just that. Special thank you to Dan Purcell, Kevin Dana, Tony East, Brendan King, and Howard Kelman. Of course, to Nathaniel Finch and Graham Shear as well. And I'm Jimmy Cook. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow on the legendary, history-making Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk.